Father, we just thank you for this gift. Once again, you in your mercy and your grace have allowed us to gather that we may be drawn to you, that we may see you for who you are, that we may see the cross of Christ for us, for others. There's nothing we have done. Father, you, you, you came to us. You reconciled us. And we're grateful for that. All we can come and do is just, just fall on our knees and praise you and thank you and worship you this morning. But Father, we know that this message of reconciliation, we're a new creation in Christ. It's not just about being justified, but that we, as your new creation, can come to you with all our pain, all our hurt from this week, all our struggles, sin, whatever it may be, Father. This message of reconciliation says that we can come to you with all our mess and that you welcome us and you embrace us and you love us and you forgive us and you encourage us and you empower us another day. So we thank you. So we pray that for our church here, we pray for our city, and we pray for the nations. Pray for those that have not heard that as ambassadors of Christ, that we may be compelled to go. And Father, that is across the street, that is across the hall in, at work, and that is across the, to the ends of the earth, to every corner of this world that is yours. So Father, today I pray, may we soak in your grace, may we soak in your word, and may you use our dear brother Josh as a vessel. May, you, may the words we hear be heavenly words from you. Prepare our hearts and our minds. And it's in the powerful name of Christ we pray this morning. Amen. Good morning, Hope Point. Me and Ronnie, we got a good time, huh? I'm, uh, I'm like his little muchacho. <laughs> I, I've been so blessed to get to know Ronnie and, and all the pastors you guys have here, a wonderful group of people. We were talking about my outfit for today, and uh, me and Ronnie, and I thought, you know, you know, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, it says that I've been, we have been as ambassadors, we're anointed with the oil of gladness. And, and this shirt, doesn't this shirt just scream oil of gladness? <laughs> We, we bear the image, we bear the image of Christ. The mysteries of God are in us. We bear that to a world. And we are clothed with his righteousness through the blood of Jesus. And so we bear that message. And I just thought, you know, this is, <clears throat> this is the ambassador's uniform. So if you want to be an ambassador, just head yourself down to Amazon there and, and type in flower shirt into Google and get yourself a flower shirt. Um, Jesus' life, Jesus' life models for us how to be a disciple. But not just a disciple, but a disciple that can make a disciple who will make a disciple. And so it's my greatest joy this morning to share 
um, my journey with you of how the Lord has cultivated in my own life through His Word, developed me in how to model to others what it actually looks like to be a disciple, and then challenge them to go out and make another disciple that can go make another disciple. And there we see what we call a disciple-making movement. And we witnessed a little bit that this morning, where we saw me and Ronnie, we've, we've been doing life together. We, we study the Word of God together. We hold each other accountable. We pray for each other. And Ronnie, he's been doing that with Michael and, uh, and doing the same thing. And Michael, he's been doing that with Blake. He got baptized this morning, and Chris was involved in Blake's life. And and, and now Blake, he's doing the campus ministry over there at Wofford. And you just see life on life that this is what it looks like for a disciple to make a disciple, to make a disciple. And that's how we build the church. It's just fascinating. About a year ago, I, uh, I was sharing our ministry. We're preparing to go back to the mission field. And I was over at a church in Lyman and sharing the ministry over there and and uh, after a presentation, I gave an invitation. I said, you know, we've been, we've been overseas, and we've been, like Jesus said, come make fishers of men. We've been going fishing over there, and, um, you know, we need fishermen right here at home. And so, would anyone like to go fishing with me? And this guy put his hand up. He comes to me after the service, and he says, yeah, man, I want to go fishing with you, man. I said, okay, well, can you go and find a few other people, and let's all go fishing together? And, and there was like this buzz that just started in that church, just down the street here in Lyman. And uh, we shared about our redemptive relationships, the lost, unconnected people that were in our lives. We started praying every week intentionally for them. We started praying for this guy's sister. And he said, you know, my sister, she's an alcoholic, and I would really love it if God could heal my sister. And so we prayed. We prayed for five months. We prayed for his sister. Five months later, this was maybe last, maybe last September, he texts me and he says, Josh, you will never guess what. My sister texted me today and she said, brother, I don't know why I'm telling you this because we don't hardly ever talk, but I just want to share with you that five months ago, my life hit rock bottom and I made the decision that I was going to quit drinking. And today, I want to tell you that I'm five months sober today. Isn't God amazing? And isn't that what we see in the life of Christ? We see in John 17, we see a picture of this. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. This is Jesus. He's in the garden praying before his, before his arrest. And he's praying not just for the disciples that were physically with them at that time, but he was praying, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, not the disciples only that are physically with them at that time, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Here it is. Listen. Disciples of Jesus go and make disciples of Jesus. Second Timothy, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. I have given it to you, entrust it to faithful men who will what? Who will be able to teach others also. Paul is teaching Timothy here. He's discipling Timothy. Timothy, as I, Paul, have discipled you, you, Timothy, go and disciple other people who will go and disciple other people. 
this is the, this is the model. When I was young, I, I didn't always used to have this job. <laughs> it's my greatest honor to have this job, but I, I used to be a power engineer. I used to work in oil and gas sector in northwestern Canada. And I would go to church, and the visiting pastor, the missionary, he would come and he would say, from Luke, Luke 10, you know the passage? He would say, um, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I would cry out in my heart, I am a disciple, and this is how I want to live. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And I remember sensing, Lord, would someone just please tell me, I want to be a disciple maker, but could somebody please just tell me what to do exactly? Just tell me what to do and I'll start doing it tomorrow. And so that was the prayer that I started to pray inside of my heart. Last year, almost to the day, almost to the day, last year, I was on a flight in Canada. So I stay on the light here. I was on this, this flight in Canada, and I'm standing at the airport, and I, I can remember exactly where I was standing. I was at my gate in Winnipeg, looking out the window and praying, and my heart being moved with compassion, just like Pastor Richard preached on last, last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, moved with compassion for the lost. And I prayed. I was compelled with the love of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. And I cried out, Lord, I'm just not capable of being your ambassador. I know I'm bearing the message of reconciliation to God, but how do I go onto a plane and communicate this message to complete strangers? Lord, would you please help me do this? And this here we see the first of six priorities. They're priorities that Jesus is modeling, and he's cultivating that into his disciples. These are the six, they're the six DNA markers, if it were, uh, of, of what a disciple is commissioned to do. See, we are commissioned, just like Jesus was by God, to go and multiply this DNA of a disciple maker, model it in our own life, and multiply that into the lives of others those others whom we influence. And so DNA marker number one, Holy Spirit dependence. In Acts, we see Peter, and Peter is preaching all about Jesus. You might wonder, man, why is Josh talking about so much scripture? Can I be completely honest? I'm just learning this too, and this is all I got. This is all I have. And so we're just going to dig through scripture after scripture after scripture and see what Jesus did and see how he built it into his early apostles and the disciples and the early church and what they modeled and multiplied to what we have today as the church. And based on their model, we want to cultivate that into our own life. Acts 10.38, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Oh God, would you be with us, your people? In Luke 4, we see it again, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. He was led 
by the Spirit into the wilderness. So here we see Jesus. Jesus had power through the Holy Spirit. Jesus was directed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in his humanity, he operated from through the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus' dependence on the Holy Spirit and how he interacted with the Pharisees in Matthew 12. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So I'm in this airport and I'm waiting. I'm waiting at the gate and I'm praying and I'm crying out to God, Lord, I am dependent upon your Holy Spirit. Would you anoint me, Lord God, with your Holy Spirit and with your power? Would you send me, Lord Jesus, into somebody's life? Send me as your ambassador, just like you sent Jesus when he prayed in John 17, as you sent me into the world, so I am sending Josh into the world. Lord, would you send me? DNA marker number two, prayer in every aspect of life. Luke 6, verse 12, we see Jesus praying. And he says, in these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer. What do you reckon Jesus was praying for? You think he was praying how often we find ourselves praying, how we sometimes pray for ourselves? Lord, would you bless me? Would you bless my busy work that, that I think I need to do because it's important to me? No. Jesus was seeking the will of the Father. And in this passage, we see Jesus is choosing the 12 apostles from his disciples. We see him continuing steadfast in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Um, in Mark. And the whole city was gathered together with him. Busy. Jesus was busy. Um, he's really busy. <laughs> he's healing all these people. He's at, he's at uh, Peter's, Peter's mother-in-law's house. And the whole city comes out to see him. And they were gathered together at the door, and he was healing many of them. But Jesus was not preoccupied with the needs of those around him. He was slipping off to pray early in the morning, rising early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. What was he praying for? He was seeking the direction of the Father. That's what we need to do. And so in the very next verse, verse 38, he goes back to his disciples and he says, you guys, we can't stay here in this town. There's cool stuff happening, but we can't stay here. This, let's go down to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. Jesus was so clear on his purpose as a messenger from God. So going back to the airport, I prayed, I'm at the gate, I'm boarded, I'm sitting on the plane, I'm sitting beside this guy named Jeff, and he's from Quebec, and he's got a French accent as all get out. And I knew, how can I jump from an acquaintance 
jumping all the way to having just met this guy to giving him my three-minute gospel presentation. It felt a little bit awkward. At least it felt awkward for me. And so I'm thinking, okay, what if first I started having friendly conversation? And as I'm thinking about this, it, it all kinds It sounds kind of obvious, you know, but think through it. If I had first had friendly conversation with this guy, in fact, if I had first had personal conversation with this guy, then maybe having spiritual conversation with him would be the next natural step. And then being able to bear this message of reconciliation, be reconciled to God. So I'm thinking, okay, how do I go through this journey? Do you find too that sometimes you're thinking, okay, I'm having personal conversation with this person and I I want to try to steer the conversation and start having spiritual conversation, but, but how do I do that? Sometimes personal to spiritual conversation with somebody that you're taking a relational journey with is sometimes the most difficult step. It's almost like, okay, now that I know your sister's middle name, should we talk about Jesus now? You know, it's just, okay, what do we do? And so I just, I just went back to the scripture. And in John 4, we see the story of the woman at the well. And she says, many Samaritans in that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I ever did. And so I shared with Jeff, the guy on the plane, I shared a story of the power of God that I had witnessed in my friend's life. And when I shared that story with him, he was immediately engaged and he had to know, who is this God? Help me understand who Jesus is. And so I invited him into a Discovery Bible study, just like Chris did with Blake over here. It's part of the journey, which leads us to DNA marker number three, obedience to the kingdom agenda. Jesus takes Peter and James and John, and he models for them in the garden obedience to the kingdom agenda. Matthew 26, 39 says, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it is possible, would you take this cup from me? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And Paul cultivates this same DNA in those he was discipling, saying in 1 Corinthians, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He wasn't preoccupied with the things of the world. He was driven by his purpose as an ambassador. That's what I'm going to talk about tonight. But can we say that to our, can I say that to my kids this morning? Hey, Eva, Lila, imitate me. Do what I do because I'm imitating Christ. If you're a small group leader this morning, can you say that to your small group? Do what I do, you guys. Or to the the unconnected lost person at your work. As they search out the truth, can you say to them, I know the truth, follow me. Do what I do as I imitate the truth, as I imitate Christ. You might be tempted to say, oh, yeah, but Josh, that's just, that's for missionaries and that's for pastors. That's that's just what they do, you know. 
Well, let's, let's look at the scripture. Let's just look back at the word. And they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. This here, this is a snapshot in the book of Acts of what the early church actually looked like at that time. We see it again in Acts chapter 4, verse 34. There was not a needy person among them, for as many were owners of lands and houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold to the apostles. Verse 36, a couple of verses later, we see Barnabas. He sold a field and he brought the money to the apostles for the extension of the kingdom. Paul was, or Barnabas was compelled by the love of Christ to discipline, to make expense, to make sacrifices. And he was modeling this disciple-making DNA, this lifestyle to those that he discipled. We see him discipling Mark Mark, his nephew, who is the author of the book of Ma- the book, the gospel of Mark, and also to Paul, the apostle Paul. Barnabas discipled him after he became a, a follower of Jesus, after his conversion. Then we see Barnabas and Paul, they go out on missionary journey together. Again, we're seeing this picture of a disciple, making a disciple, making a disciple. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. What would Baptism Sunday look like next January if we were to surrender every aspect of our life in obedience to the kingdom agenda? DNA marker number four. The word of God is central to my life and to my ministry. It was so amazing doing evangelistic Bible study with Jeff. It was fascinating seeing the power of the living, breathing Word of God. And the older I get, I know I'm young, but the older I get, the more convinced I am of of the power that the spoken Word has. The centrality of the Word of God. To see as we discover truth in the Scripture, and as I modeled that truth in my own life, and his life started to change too. His language started to change. His relationship started to change. His, his attitudes, his, his, his habits started to change. It was fascinating. How do we use the Word of God to direct our life? I have stored up your word in my heart, O oh God, that I might not sin against you. Your word, Lord Jesus, this morning, let your word, O oh God, be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, guiding us because we do not be in error. We do not desire to be in error. We desire to be in obedience to you. We see Jesus as he was interacting and responding to the Pharisees and Sadducees in early part of his ministry, Matthew 12, he says, or have you not read the law? He was speaking to people that knew it in their head, but they, they weren't obedient to it. They didn't know it in their heart. It didn't influence their behaviors. And if you had known what this means, that I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. But Jesus answered them, you are wrong. You are in error because you know neither the scripture nor the power of God. Lord, would you make us aware of your power, oh Jesus? I urge you, I urge you, I spur you on. Read his word, understand his word, memorize his word, meditate on his word, obey his word. Joshua 1.8, 
for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. After a few months of working with Jeff Charbonneau is his last name. He sounds like a hockey player, Charbonneau. He says, Josh, I know we've been studying the word, and it says in the word that we should pray and that there's power in prayer, but I just, I mean, it's a nice idea, but I've just never experienced the power of prayer. And so, um, could, could we talk about that? And I said, Jeff, you... Um, you understand the message of the gospel, the message of forgiveness and healing through Jesus, the Son of God. Is there anyone in your life today that you feel needs to hear this message, the one unchanging message, be reconciled to God? And he said, yeah, my sister. I would, I would love it if my sister could hear this message and find healing because my sister is an alcoholic. And I said, Jeff, Let's pray for her right now. And so we prayed. And I prayed. I prayed as I have never prayed before for two weeks. Because I wanted Jeff to experience the power of the almighty living word of God at work in his life and in his sister's life. And two weeks later, Jeff texted me and he says, Josh, you'll never guess what. My sister texted me, and today she's two weeks sober. My sister texted me, and she said, two weeks ago, I came to the realization that if I didn't make some life changes, my family was going to fall apart. And so I decided I'm going to quit drinking. Bonjour, mon nom est Jeffrey Chabonneau. I'm from Montreal, Quebec, and been living in Calgary, Alberta for the past seven years. And a year and a half or so, I met Joshua Bloomfield in the airport in Toronto, and we started a really great relationship. And we started a year ago a Bible study together every Monday, Monday morning, and I really, it really helped me out to build my faith more with God and Jesus and really be able to study the Bible correctly and really understanding it properly and even be able to pray. And that really been able to help me out not having to control every aspect of my life and let God and Jesus work on different part of my life and really it give me much more peace in my life and I'm really happy to to have it met you to have meet you bro so thank you again and uh, have a great day thanks again so that's Jeff isn't it amazing you can hear he's a brand new believer in Christ a couple a couple weeks after his uh, sister uh, uh, became sober, he surrendered his life to Jesus. Which leads us to DNA marker number five, exalt the Father in everything. Why don't we just thank the Lord right now for his work? Lord, we just thank you for your work in Jeff's life, and we thank you for your work in Blake's life, Lord, the way that you cultivate. Lord, we just want to celebrate your work. Amen. Who 
Sorry, I'm not finished. You can turn the lights back on. <laughs> DNA marker number five. There's six of them. I'm almost done. We exalt the Father through our ties, through our worship, always reflecting glory back to the Father because as disciples, it is our purpose, it is our aim to please the Father. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9 says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. Jesus is speaking in regards to validating his identity here. And we see and just hear this in Jesus is speaking in his humanity that I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And as my judgment is just, just because I seek not my will, but I seek the will of him who sent me. Is that my priority? Is Is that my priority to seek the Father's will, to satisfy Him or to satisfy my own will? John 7 verse 8, we see it again. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. Am I seeking my own glory? But the one who seeks the glory of Him who sent Him is true, and Him there is no falsehood. Exalt the Father in everything because without Him, you know what, you guys, without Him, we are nothing. DNA marker number six, relationships that are intentional. I had a very intentional relationship with Jeff. Michael, bro, you had a very intentional relationship with Blake. Now, Blake, he's working, Camp is working over at Wofford. He's very intentional about living a disciple-making lifestyle, cultivating this DNA in the lives that those he influences. Hebrews 10, 23, this describes the relationship that we have with other believers. That's what we're doing right here, right now. We can be intentional about this relationship with believers. And let us consider how to stir up one another toward love and good works. But what about the relationships with the people that we have out there? The relationships that we have with unconnected, lost people. We see Jesus, he models it so clearly in Luke 19. For the Son of Man come to seek and save that which was lost. Does this describe my life? We see Jesus, he's leaving the 99 to search out the one that was lost. And if as the Father sent him, so he's sending me, is this, is, is this part of my DNA? Is this is what I do? How much energy do I cultivate in relationships with unconnected lost people? Building relationships with non-Christian people that are out there. And I know it's hard. I know, please trust me, I know it's hard. How do you connect with someone that you don't have anything in common with anymore, spiritually speaking? That's the life that you left behind. So like a dog returning to his vomit, would we return to that? And when we teach our kids to have relationships with unconnected lost people, there's this part of us that says, well, we don't want you to become like the company that you choose to keep. And yet, if we don't keep company, if we don't connect with unconnected lost people, if we don't search them out, then how else will they find the truth? I know it's hard, but this is where the disciple-making process starts. As though God were making his appeal through you. 
God is sending you to save that which was lost, to seek out and rescue. So go. Go and connect with an unconnected lost person using questions to identify the area of brokenness in that person's life and serve them as their servant. For I've come not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. Serve that area of brokenness and connect the gospel with that person's need. Matthew 9, 36. When he said, Jesus speaking here, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. I just started a group. There was a group of people in Alberta, Canada that wanted to start cultivating this DNA in their own lives. And it's really exciting to see the Lord working in their life. There's one lady, she's 83 years old. She's been in the church for about one year. Can you imagine? And her heart is so moved with compassion for the lost. It's through Zoom, but I just see her. I see her on the Zoom camera, and she's just sitting there like this in her chair. She's blind, and she's just moved with compassion. She just sits there, and she prays for the lost, unconnected people in her life. There's another guy who's also in that same group, and he's been a Christian for about a year, and he was a drunk who would fly into fits of rage. He'd come into the church now, but before the cops to talk to the pastor and say, hey, Pastor, man, I don't think you want this one. <laughs> But God healed him, and now he's in the church, and his heart is moved with compassion for his lost friends, and he'll go down, and he'll connect with his old drinking buddies, and he'll share this new life that he has in Christ. It's amazing. There's another, he's a corporate executive, 35 years in the oil and gas sector in Canada. After 35 years, God called him out of that, and he's now a pastor. And now, for the first time, he's beginning to cultivate this disciple-making DNA. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there's a stirring in the church. And I don't know if it's COVID or this or that or just a movement of God in the world today to align his people back to his purpose and back to his passion. It's been my remarkable joy to disciple Charbonneau. Charbonneau, Jeff, um, you need to find a good church in Quebec. He said, Josh, there's no church here, man. You're the only church I have. I said, Jeff, what if through our relationship, you start a church? And so he started sharing the gospel with his mom and his sister. And Lord, we just pray that you would use Jeff to birth a Bible teaching church that you would use his life to connect with unconnected lost people where they don't have access to the gospel north of Montreal and Quebec. Lord, by your power, anoint him as a new believer, Lord, we pray. If you sense in your own heart today that God is directing you to go and make disciples, to go and be obedient to the call, I urge you, talk to your pastors. Call up Ronnie and say, hey, buddy, you got your flower shirt on, man? Get that flower shirt on. I got to talk to you. You start cultivating in me, Pastor Richard, Pastor Andrew, Chris, Pastor Chris. Lord, would you, Danny V, would you call? I want to live this way. Philippians 3. 
Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eye on those who walk according to the example you have in us. If you're a leader of a small group today, begin to cultivate this in your life. Begin to model it for those that you lead. If you're leading one of the broadcast groups of teens, model this, cultivate it into their life. And if you're like, Josh, tell me, just in like, what in the last minute that you got, tell me what can I start doing tomorrow? Guide those you disciple to discover truth in Scripture. Guide them to discover truth in Scripture. So, for example, if, if you want to guide them to discover the truth about living your life as a witness and the importance of ambassador for Christ, take them to some of the Scriptures that we've talked about this morning. Guide them to the truth. Teach them how to be obedient. You can't just tell them it's important, but you got to teach them how. For example, hey, disciple, this is how you prepare your testimony. This is how you share your story of what God has done in your life. And then model it. Model it for them. Model obedience for them to imitate. Hey, man, I'm going to go down. I'm going to share my testimony with this guy. Why don't you come along and watch me? And then lead them into an environment where they can practice obedience to that. And then after they've had that experience, debrief them. Hey, disciple, how did it go? How did it go when you had that experience of being obedient to the word? And then later on, continued accountability. Stay accountable to one another, praying for one another, spurring one another on towards love and good works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word in our heart this morning. We thank you that you have driven us by the power and the authority of your word. Lord, we pray. Lord, we think of Ezekiel 37. In Ezekiel 37, we see you by the spirit, by the authoritative leadership of your Holy Spirit, guiding Ezekiel through a valley of dry bones. And you ask, son of man, can these bones live? And Lord, you align, you heal the body. You take limb to limb and you align them. Lord, if there's anybody in our body this morning, anybody in our congregation, in this your church that is broken, Lord, would you find them? Would you take them at their place of brokenness? And that you would bring together, would you heal them? Maybe it's the relationship that they have with their kids, a relationship that they have with their wife or husband that might not be a believer. Lord, would you heal that brokenness in their life? Would you bring us together as the body? Would you allow sinews and skin to come over us as your body? And by your, by your power, oh God, would you breathe life, your Holy Spirit, breathe life into us. That just as we see in Ezekiel 37, we see a mighty army rising up. Would you just rise up with me right now? Stand up, congregation. Stand up, church. Would we see a church that rises up under the authoritative power of word of God that is sent out as an ambassador, Lord, that through us you would begin to build a disciple-making movement, bring revival into our lost city. 
Lord, that we'd go out and connect with unconnected lost people, driven by your power, for your purpose, for your glory. That is our aim and desire today. Amen.